Hello and welcome to another episode of The Daily Objective. Today it's day 122 of the Israel war in Gaza. Uh, today James is going to be joining me. Hey James, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How about you? Uh, it could be better. It could be better. I have a bit of a toothache. Maybe some people can see I have like a thing here. Uh, I, it's a... I don't notice it, but you definitely should have that attended to. Um... I'm, I'm definitely going to, but today we have to talk about the Hamas, the art of the deal. We're going to talk about uh, mm -hmm. basically the ceasefire talks talking uh, going on right now, why Hamas is most likely going to reject them. I believe there was like an offer sent. They hadn't officially rejected it, but they are going to. Uh, and we can also discuss some of the earlier ceasefire that have been done and some proposed ceasefires that haven't been done. But before that, let me just uh, do a quick uh, run-up of the news. So uh, it looks like the Argentinian president, Javier Millet, is uh, planning to visit Israel. Uh, which is really nice to hear because surprisingly, despite him oftentimes being viewed as like a libertarian, which he most likely is, he has, he has a pretty reasonable foreign uh, policy outlook, which is usually something that's very problematic with libertarians. And especially when it comes to Israel, most of them are very much anti-Israel. That is really good news because uh, the American Libertarian Party has a disgusting stance on Israel. The vast majority of those who identify as libertarians are ferociously anti-Israel for their, you know, isolationist, anti-government uh, <clears throat> uh, predispositions. Um, and some of these libertarian uh, influencers, if I can use the, the term these, that they use these days, are outright anti-Semitic. Um, I, I was just engaged in a debate at, over on Twitter, X, uh, with uh, libertarians who uh, were uh, <clears throat> saying the most vile, disgusting, Jews all hate Christians, they killed Jesus, uh, literally coming from uh, libertarian uh, thought leaders, uh, a Jesus killer type medieval bigotry, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, one uh, uh, Jewish object uh, objectivist with a Jewish uh, background and name uh, was accused of Jew-splaining the situation in the Middle East to this libertarian. That's the kind of vile anti-Semitism you'll find among libertarians in my country. Yeah, that's uh, definitely my make an episode one day. Uh, so just to go more with the news, uh, Likud, a lawmaker, appeals to countries to permanently freeze funds to UNRWA, because we've seen some countries freezing that, their funds. They believe already US has somewhat backed out of it, and they only freeze like a certain amount and not the, pretty much the full money they are sending. Uh, we also... And they said it's temporary. It's not a and, permanent creation yeah. of, of the funding of, the, of this arm of Hamas, this arm of Hamas that employs people who actually engaged in the terrorism of October 7th. We apparently, we in the West have to continue to pay their salaries. <clears throat> uh, we have made many episodes about that, so make sure to check them out. And uh, apparently UN Secretary General is opening an independent review on UNRWA, so maybe we'll see some justice there. Uh, <laughs> Hold on. I wouldn't be holding my breath on that. Guterres is not exactly a reasonable man or rational on the point of Israel. 
Um, you remember what he was saying from the minute it happened. Uh, October 7th didn't happen in a vacuum, et cetera, et cetera. And it's taken his or his organization is the one that has been fostering UNRWA and it's propagandizing of Palestinian children to commit martyrdom, in effect, to commit suicide in their homicidal hatred of Israel and Jews. So. Uh, and then uh, something that we're going to talk about on the reality show, and uh, a por- uh, excuse my language now, apparently Biden in private has described Netanyahu as a bad fucking guy. Uh, and... Yeah, they've not been getting along. I understand there was a long period of time where, you know, in effect, Netanyahu hung up the phone and weeks went by. And they didn't even speak to one another. And in the meantime, Biden has been telling uh, through Blinken and all of his uh, cabinet surrogates, uh, you've got to have more humanitarian aid. You've got to be more targeted. Never in the history of warfare has there been more targeted has the uh, uh, efforts at just zeroing in on the bad guys. And never has there been in the history of uh, legitimate defensive war such demands uh, 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 being, being placed upon the defenders like Israel. Uh, they send leaflets, they send texts, they warn people to get out of buildings before they bomb them. That, frankly, is kind of suicidal on Israel's part. They have no, no moral obligation to do any such thing. And it is unprecedented in the history of warfare, as far as I'm concerned, Concerned to uh, level such demands upon uh, a country trying to defend itself. It's insane the kind of pressure my government is trying to put on Israel. Disgusting, frankly. Yeah, actually, when I watched uh, uh, the International Court of Ju- Justice while, it's, while it was happening, uh, yeah, it, it was incredible to like hear everything. And it's basically like, how do you even wage a war with like this sort of like standard? Like, it's it's impossible to like ever actually like go into a country and like eliminate basically like end the war with with such a standard you pretty much as soon as you get them out of your country there's nothing else you can do you just have to wait for another attack they are Uh, demanding a perpetuation of the violence they are demanding more october 7th that is the demand and that really is a good segue into what we're going to talk about today actually. yeah so let me just uh, cover the last piece of news uh usa presents a plan for un peacekeeping force to basically come in uh, between the border of hezbollah and israel and establish some sort of uh, uh I'm, I'm getting demilitarized zone uh, the United Nations, which is always voting in an anti-Semitic, anti-Israel way, the same people that have gave us UNRWA for all these years, the same people that have been teaching Palestinians to martyr themselves against Israel. These are the people that we're going to trust on this to be the uh, peacekeepers uh, separating the two. I, you know, uh, hmm. no, I wouldn't trust the UN uh, to do anything but support Hamas. So. Uh, <laughs> what a bad idea that is. Yeah, the uh, UN peacekeeping force is definitely something I would like to talk about at some point because I'm not sure I fully understand it because I know of some places where I I, uh, I believe in Cyprus there is also the because Cyprus is not one country it's actually there's the actual the Republic of Cyprus and there's the the basically the Turkish Republic of Cyprus and uh what uh, is basically separating them is the UN peacekeeping force as far as I understand. Uh, so it might be interesting to see like why was this plan never really put into place? Um, because would we see like Hamas actually attacking US, uh, UN peacekeeping force 
would that like actually help? It would be like interesting yeah. to see. I mean, what, what, what are they doing there? Are they going to fire uh, guns at people who are violating uh, one side of the ceasefire? You know, these UN uh, humanitarians and these humanitarian and these UN peacekeepers have been accused of all kinds of things over the year years, rape in Africa, all kinds of abuses from UN employees there to do either humanitarian work or to be there as buffers in effect. And these UN peacekeepers have a pretty uh, nasty track record just by themselves. Forget in the context of Israel, where we know that the United Nations has an officially disgusting uh, anti-Israel position that insists, as I say, uh, on Israel uh, allow demanding mind you, more October 7th, not only permitting it, but sanctioning it and, in effect, uh, necessitating it. Okay, but that's, uh, that's, that's it about the news. Let's actually get to the uh, the topic of the episode. So first, let me just cover uh, some basic facts. So as far as we know, there's around 136 hostages still in Gaza, although a couple, at least dozens of them are believed to be already and uh, many of them are believed to be in a desperate need of medical attention uh, out of those two are children then elderly so uh, I think older than 75 and uh, surprisingly still uh, 11 foreigners mostly from Thailand uh, but also from Nepal Tanzania France and Mexico uh, so okay uh what should we cover first? <laughs> okay, so as I understand it, Hamas is about to, the news agencies are reporting yesterday and today that Hamas is going to reject the ceasefire offer. And the reason why they're rejecting it is because they're demanding that prisoners who were actually participants in October 7th be released. They want more terrorists released for innocent, innocent civilians who were taken hostage on October 7th, as you point out, sick people, elderly people, children, women um, are still being held hostage. Now, the going by the numbers, 130 some may still be there. But as you point out, many of those may already be dead. We don't know. We simply don't know. There are various locations, various groups have them. And uh, it's not clear that Hamas could even deliver on such a promise. Uh, but to negotiate at all with the perpetrators of October 7th, this is what you get. We demand that people, that the perps, the perps you have, perpetrators of October 7th, murderers, rapists of innocent people, people who burned children alive, be released as a condition, as a condition of our doing any ceasefire. So all, all of our leftist progressive friends here in Britain and the United States who are all behind the ceasefire idea, uh, why don't you all take it up with Hamas about this ceasefire? No, I don't want a ceasefire. Another, the other demand is that, in effect, Israel withdraw all its forces from Gaza or they won't release these hostages. No. Uh, once you start negotiating with these kind of monstrous criminals, you are going to get demands like this. And giving in once... Once there was a temporary, you'll recall, what was it at the, uh, the end of December, beginning of December, 
There was a yes, brief. Uh, there was a four-day pause uh, where uh, 50 Israeli hostages were released for 150 Palestinians, and I believe there was also a potential deal where, like, uh, the ceasefire would be extended for one day for like every 10 hostages, uh, every uh, for like 10 more Israeli hostages or something like that. And even during the ceasefire. Uh, the, it wasn't like 50 hostages were released at once. It was like every day they released uh, 10 more. Uh, the no surprising thing about that ceasefire was that it was immediately broken by Hamas. Uh, right. I believe like a couple, just a couple hours or maybe an hour. Rockets we, coming. Yeah. And then around Christmas time, Israel offered a two month ceasefire that they rejected as well. It's Hamas who keeps rejecting ceasefires, ladies and gentlemen. It's Hamas who wants October 7th perpetrators released as a condition for releasing women and children. So get this. They're going to release nine more nine-year-old girls in a, a, a exchange for an even greater number of terrorists. Now, how on earth is this anything but a perpetuation of this, quote, endless cycle of violence? Everyone keeps saying this is the way to perpetuate an endless cycle of violence is to negotiate with these people, to give them anything, to recognize them at all. They need to be wiped out. Uh, if you put the lives of the hostages right now, however many are still there and whatever tortures or whatever else they've been through, if you put those lives ahead of everything else, then you are going to demand more October 7th. More women and children will be killed on October 7th type events in the future. More hostages will be taken. It pays. You're, you're, once at Kaching, once you give them 150 hostages for a much smaller number of children and elderly people, of course, you they have, it paid off big time. You're, gonna, you're saying October 7th's work. You're saying do October 7th again and again and again, and you will get rewarded again and again and again, and the perps will get released again. No, it's insanity. Any negotiation with them is perverse, it's obscene, and it is not only to sanction October 7th and let them get away with it, but it's to insist on future October 7th uh, hereafter. Uh, no, Hamas needs to be wiped out. Wiped out. And anything less uh, would be, of course, a betrayal of those victims, but a perpetuation of the violence. Uh, so uh, I don't know why Israel is even offering these ceasefires, but uh, uh, our leftist progressive friends, it is Hamas that is rejecting peace. It is Hamas, again, like the Palestinians always have with Israel. They insist on genocide. Their explicit policy, you know, Israel gets accused of genocide in the International Court of Justice. But of course, the explicit goal in their charter and by their behavior on October 7th is clearly a genocidal intent. And that genocidal intent is completely ignored while we accuse Israel and the Jewish people, of course, have been the victims of genocide within living memory. They're the ones who get accused of it, even though, as I say, it's unprecedented in the history of warfare the uh, steps being taken to protect uh, civilians, most of whom are not so innocent, by the way. Uh, some three quarters, and this is just the ones who approved uh, even tactically of October 7th, some three quarters of these Palestinian people, uh, even on the West Bank, support October 7th. Uh, sp uh, or more likely in the West Bank, it's usually the, the right. people in Gaza that are less supportive of October 7 because they actually see the consequences and it shows you that when you actually when there are consequences for your actions you will start backing down on, on those actions 
That's why Israel needs to go in and needs to be much stronger. And m maybe someone is saying we are exaggerating when we say October 7th are going to happen again uh, just because uh, Israel released hostages. Well, we've already seen something like this w in the past, specifically with the G Gilad Shalit deal when one soldier... Uh, one. Thousand terrorists released one, one. Israel, one Israeli soldier was released for more than thousand Palestinians. And... Turned out to be a Hamas leader, right? Yes, th those are again not innocent Palestinians. Many of them, uh, and, and I might be misremembering this fact, but I believe at least one of them was uh, someone who is currently the leader of Hamas or uh, have per participated in the October 7 attacks directly. So you see here that. This happens if you if you negotiate with terrorists, more more attacks like October seventh are are going to happen. Inevitable. It is the October seventh itself is the direct upshot of all those hostage deals that Israel and America has already been making for the last several years, decades now. Uh, Israel and America have been engaged in obscene hostage deals, either with Palestinian terrorists in the case of Israel or with Iranian these Iranian monsters uh, in the case of America. And so long as America and Israel makes hostage-taking pay, it will continue. Promise. Oh, so someone just po uh, pointed out in chat, apparently it was Yahya Sinwar who was released, who is currently the Hamas chief in the Gaza Strip. That's as I recall it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank uh... you. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we talked about the do you want to talk a little bit about the splits within the coalition uh, about this specifically about uh, Ben Gavir? Uh, so let me I think I have a quote about this. Uh, yeah, apparently Ben Gavir has been quoted as saying instead of giving us his full backing, Biden is busy with giving humanitarian aid and fuel to Gaza, which goes to Hamas, which it always pisses me off when like the the only people who like have decent rhetoric on this because yeah he's definitely right to point out that any aid that goes to Gaza goes to Hamas, uh, but it's always said when it's actually someone like Ben Kabir who basically in the past was like is basically a convicted terrorist is definitely uh. How how would you even describe him as a basically a Zionist, but meaning like actual uh, wanting to co completely get rid of all the Palestinians? Right. There are, you know, if your motivation is a collectivist, tribalist one, root grounded in mysticism, you know, there are, and we should not minimize the reality of the fact that there are settlers, for example, in the West Bank who engage in violence against Palestinians. There are extreme, and I don't like that word extremist, it's an anti-concept, as Ayn Rand pointed out in her brilliant article, Extremism, the Art of Smearing. But what we're looking at here are violence advocating mystics and mysticism, faith and force, are go hand in hand with one another. And it exists on both sides. It exists on both sides. Now, Obviously, there is a qualitative difference between the country of Israel, which recognizes individual rights, where there is some freedom of religion, where there is some freedom of speech, where there is some kind of representative democracy, where there is industrial and economic and technological development versus the, as I say, 
uh, almost uniform position of the Arab Muslims that surround Israel is a genocidal one, grounded in their mysticism. Um, so it's uh, there's a qualitative difference here. Uh, I, I don't get me wrong, but anyone whose motives are religion based uh, are probably going to have the same collectivist tribalist attitudes. And it's unfortunate that uh, some of the strongest defenders of Israel may have some of these attitudes. But the fact is, he, what he said, what he actually said is correct. The aid is going to look. We, we knew, for example, United States made a deal with Iran and uh, gave them billions of dollars. And the administration said, well, look, it can't go to terrorism because it can only go to clean water and food and medical stuff. And it has to go to these humanitarian purposes. Well, wait a minute, that's less food and medicine Iran themselves have to purchase. And so they have more money left over to do terrorism. If you think for one minute humanitarian aid is uh, not the kind of fungible money, uh, whether in the case of Iran or in the case of uh, Gaza, uh, not money that frees up money for terrorist activity, you're crazy. Uh, they, that's less money they have to spend on food and medicine and clean water. I feel like people tend to forget Hamas is not some terrorist organization hiding within Gaza. It is the government of gaza it is the government that actually uh takes well, the... well they do, they're, they're not much of a they were well, elected the government of gaza 16 years ago but they have they done anything have they lifted a finger to make the the that area a peaceful or place where some prosperity can occur for their people to live in peace and prosperity no they haven't they've relied they are creating a miserable situation so that they can claim that October 7th is breaking out of a prison. No, they made the prison. Any blockade that Israel has is simply to protect themselves from terrorists, from all these shipments of weapons from Iran, for example, to Gaza. So long as Iran is shipping weapons to Gaza, Israel has every right to blockade Gaza. And all the people of Hamas would have to do is stop. And like I say, within weeks of taking power in, in uh, the Gaza Strip, Hamas immediately starts lobbing rockets over at Israel. That's all they've been focused on. That's all they've been doing. Their whole existence, their whole raison d'etre is to destroy Israel, period, full stop. They don't want a peaceful, prosperous place. They don't want their own people to live happy lives. They would rather their children commit suicide in the effort to kill Jews than live in some kind of peace or prosperity. Uh, and India, that brings me to the major point I want to make and the reason why Hamas, the art of the deal, will always have uh, advantage uh, against uh, Israel when it comes to negotiation. And that is the fact that Hamas doesn't value human life. And if you don't, then yeah, they don't care how much people you release. Only thing they care is how much they can hurt Israel. If if they can, it's not even sacrifice. If they can trade their people for some advantage against Hamas, they will do that. And again, it's not just Hamas. The Palestinians would support them in that. It's not just Hamas that broke the October's uh, broke the wall and went on October seven went into Israel. It was the Palestinian people themselves, many of them, who actually even took hostages. Yeah, 
defense comes down, let's pour in, let's add our kicks, let's add our violence, let's take more hostages. The Palestinian people must be the underlying support for Hamas, or Hamas could not be getting away with this. There has to be. Now, I understand if you're part of the small minority, and I think it is a small minority of the adult population who may oppose Hamas, would you speak up? You'd get killed. You'd get tortured yourself. So, of course, those folks are probably silenced and marginalized. But from the looks of it, there's a vast majority that support Hamas in general. Otherwise, Hamas would be thrown out of uh, its position of power. Um, they've got to have support from the population. Otherwise, this couldn't happen. It simply could not happen. You know, America, uh, as it is uh, sort of stupidly trying to attack uh, uh, Iranian proxies uh, in Iraq and Syria uh, because of the uh, death of Americans in Jordan uh, several days ago, um, uh, or if they're attacking the Houthis and the, joined in with British help, all, all to the good in the sense that these are bad guys. But do you think Iran cares about the lives of the Houthis? Do you think Iran regards their proxies in Iraq as anything more than fodder? They treat their those people with the same regard as the Palestinians treat their own civilians. They use them. They want those people to die. They want the headline. Americans kill so many. Americans do all this. And in the meantime, they must be high-fiving and partying it up with the idea that Iran will never be bombed by Biden, and that we are sacred and no one wants to escalate the war to actually hit the murderers responsible for this obviously coordinated uh, Iranian-sourced attack on both Israelis and Americans throughout the Middle East. So uh, I guess a couple of points uh, about Biden. Uh, I'd have to say it's at least good uh, to see him actually striking at the Houthi pirates to some extent. As well as re retaliating in uh in uh in in Jordan, uh, but we will talk about Biden. Uh, oh wait, I haven't uh read super chat at all. Uh, so first, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you, Apollo Zeus, and thank you, Bonnie again. She's been a member for twenty months. Uh, and uh, oh, she... you are awesome, and then some. Thank you. Uh, she's saying, are the groups in Israel and worldwide who are saying, bring them home now, also advocating a ceasefire, which would lead to more hostage taking? Yeah, the two are inevitable. That's what a deal with Hamas consists of. Hamas won't do a deal. They won't, they won't even accept the ceasefire. They will continue to lob rockets. And we won't give you your hostages, these innocent elderly and children and civilians, innocent civilians that we took hostage, unless you release criminals, terrorists, at a greater number, perps on October 7th, and ensure, guarantee that you're going to leave Gaza and leave us, Hamas, intact. Those are, in effect, their demands. And yet Hamas is rejecting anything short of that in terms of a ceasefire. Uh, you tell me. It's obvious. They would rather die. They would rather perpetuate the uh, violence there. Uh, and they are insisting on the capacity to engage in more October 7th. That is, in effect, what, well, that's, in effect, what any ceasefire would mean, even the ones that is Israel's offering. And they're rejecting. Even the offers that Israel is making, Israel is making offers that would perpetuate the violence, mind you. Now, if it's if that is clear to anyone, then of course accepting their current uh, demands would absolutely be a concession to more October seventh. Uh, I don't think there's any other way to look at it. 
don't think there's any other way to look at it. Uh, you release perps from October 7th. Hamas continues to exist. Israel leaves Gaza completely. What does that imply? More yeah. October 7th, obviously. Indeed, uh, encouraged, rewarded, incentivized. Do it again, please. You'll get more rewards. Do it again, please. You'll get more humanitarian aid. Do it again, please. More hostages, uh, uh, more terrorists will be released for nine-year-old girls. Yeah. Uh, and with that, uh, we have uh, the reality show upcoming in about two minutes. And we're going to be talking, one of the main stories we're going to be talking about, we're going to talk about much more. But the main story is the Biden's hatred for Netanyahu, where, and excuse my words again, where he's saying Netanyahu is a bad fucking guy. Definitely tune in. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you're getting a perspective here, obviously, that you don't get anywhere else. Um, and if you think it's important to create, uh, as we are here, a worldwide community of serious students of objectivism and promoting uh, the views that you're going to hear here and just about nowhere else, then please consider becoming a paid subscriber to the Ayn Rand Center UK. As of today, as of, in fact, the last few days, uh, the Ayn Rand Center UK by views, produces the most popular objectivist-oriented content on YouTube. We are it, ladies and gentlemen. And if you think that's an important uh, institution, if you think that's an important value, then please consider pay paying a value for value for that. Uh, uh, we're doing good work here. And if you think so, too, uh, show us and show us where it counts. <laughs> Thank you, James. Thank you, everyone. And bye-bye.